told uh, the first service that I need a training in how to use a mask and have an earpiece. <laughs> I'm not doing very well with it. <clears throat> so we've come to uh, Acts chapter 14 in our consideration of this great account of the outbreak of the Holy Spirit with God's people and the beginnings of the church uh, and through Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and we, uh, on page uh, six there, you can find uh, Acts 14. <clears throat> In chapter 13, after Paul's ministry there, um, Paul was driven out through persecution. He goes to Iconium. In the first seven verses of chapter 14, he uh, was driven out <clears throat> through persecution. And now we come to Lystra. <clears throat> Let's read beginning verse 8. Now, at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul, looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in Lycaonian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrain the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul, and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, bless us as we come to your word, that we will believe your word, that we will rejoice in it that we will hide it in our hearts and our lives and live it out in all of our circumstances. We pray this for your glory and honor. Amen. I think one of the most difficult things 
for us as believers is to begin a conversation with someone, whether you've just met them or you've known them for some time, maybe a neighbor or friend. How do I bridge between where they are and speaking about Jesus Christ? This is especially difficult in our society where so many people don't share our belief in the God of the Bible. They believe very different things all over the board. How do we approach them? What do we do in these situations? And I think Paul's dealing with the Gentiles here in Acts 14 is very helpful for us as Luke, the author, tells us about this. So we dive in. First, I call it renovation. uh, And I'm talking about the healing of this lame man. It's very interesting that Peter in chapter four of Acts in the Jerusalem context, the Jewish context, healed a man lame from birth. And here in the Gentile context, Paul heals a man lame from birth. So there's a purposeful parallel here to show it's the same God, same power, same gospel, and it creates the same people, Jew and Gentile. We see the same action of God, whether with Jew or Gentile. On a practical level, before we leave this, let me just say a word about faith in your life and my life. It's It's really striking that Paul here commands a man lame from birth to walk. And, you know, in a different context, a guy might respond and say, yeah, make fun of me. Why don't you? You know, are you mocking me? Why don't you just leave? You know, because you can imagine just somebody walking by a man who's lame and, and making fun of, hey, buddy, why don't you get up and walk? I mean, it just it's ludicrous. But he believed, it it mentions this, and he stood up and walked. I think there's some parallel in our spiritual lives because God commands us to do things that are simply impossible for us. All of obedience in that sense is impossible for us. But sometimes we really feel it. We really are exhausted. We know how helpless we are. We think there is no way. There's no way. I can do this. So I would encourage you always to hear his command and trust in his transforming power to change your life as you seek to obey him. The the power and the grace comes in the very action to seek to do his will. So as we're constantly trusting in his grace and we're growing in his will, we, we really end up thinking and saying and do things that we never could have done, never would have done, uh, because we're being strengthened by the grace of Christ. That's a great image to carry in your mind about obedience. Keep believing, keep giving yourself to him. Well, this went bad in a sense, you might say, right? It went from this renovation to adulation as they come after them to worship them. There was a legend that Jupiter and Hermes had been in this area before. So basically when they see this lame man healed and he'd been lame from birth, it's like they're back, right? Jupiter and Hermes, who else could it be? 
this kind of power must be them. And so they're so convinced that the very priest of Zeus, you know, is bringing in the, the cows to sacrifice for these two men. Just a shocking thing, of course. Then Paul and Barnabas tear their rubs. It's a sign that this is blasphemy and they, you know, begin to proclaim the truth here. That, which takes us to point number three here, this proclamation that leads directly into this proclamation. Now, what's very interesting is we have Paul's address to the Jews in the Jewish synagogue in Antioch in chapter 13. And now you have Paul's address that's cut off, of course, as we see. But you can at least see the beginning of his address to pagans, to Gentiles. And it's striking how different they are, how completely different. Because with the Jews, Paul has identity with them, a common ground with them in speaking about the history of Israel because he's a Jew with them. But if he began to talk to the Gentiles this way about the history of Israel, and well, well, they would be lost. You know, they wouldn't even know what he's talking about, and he wouldn't identify with anything that he's saying. So Paul takes a completely different approach here among these pagan Gentiles who worship a pantheon of gods. How do you bridge talking to these pagans? How do you build this bridge to Jesus Christ? Now, what's interesting with the Jews, Paul builds a bridge with their shared scripture, their shared history. But with the Gentiles, he builds the bridge with their shared humanity. How every human being has experienced the goodness of God, whether he she recognizes it or not, that that goodness is common to every person. And so he calls them to this. He starts where they have this in common. It's it's just human beings in this world. It's interesting, especially to me, I really hadn't noticed this uh, before, that the word, it, it says, he spoke the good news to them about leaving their idolatry because this is the basic word to speak good news. Like it says, Philip in chapter eight spoke the good news about Jesus. And of course, eventually Paul was going to talk about Jesus, but he got cut off. But it is still interesting. Here's the good news that you could escape your idolatry, you know? So when when he says this, it's, he says that you should do this, but there's really this feel. You don't have to serve these vain things any longer. You can serve the living God. Yeah, that's the feel. That's the good news I have come to bring you. You see, vanities refers to those things that aren't real. That's literally the meaning of this word. In that sense, then, these vanities are worthless and even dangerous. I have a friend who is a, he does everything full steam ahead. And he told me one time that when he was a kid, the first time he saw Superman TV show, that was way back, of course. But first time he saw t- the TV show, he goes up to the second story of his parents' house, 
puts on a towel. I mean, you can't fly without a towel, of course. He puts on the towel, jumps out the second story window. Now, thankfully, he only broke his leg instead of busting his, you know, whatever could have happened to him. Um, But you could say, look, that is not real. You don't put a cape on and suddenly you're able to fly. That's vanity. See, that's dangerous to rely on something like that. They, up until 150 years ago, physicians uh, practiced bloodletting. So bloodletting, you know, cutting into a vein so that people would bleed out as an act of healing, right? I mean, this went on, this was way back in the Greek days. So for almost 2000 years, at least, this was practiced in some form or another. And it was thought to to cure cancer or uh, asthma or uh, epilepsy. And this is my favorite. It was thought to cure acne. You imagine kids would really wear a lot of makeup because they don't want to know. I don't want them to know I've got acne. They'll, you know, they'll bleed me out, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but you see, it was, of course, it was dangerous. Many people were damaged by it, and many people died from the loss of blood. Uh, at least one story is that George Washington lost his, his life that way, but um, not sure how true that is. But you see, what Paul is saying by this underscoring of these vanities and calling to the living God, he's saying, your idols aren't real. They are Vanity, they are empty, they're dangerous. And the good news is you don't have to serve these vanities. You can serve the living God. What's also interesting about his using this word living is that the word for Zeus is from the Greek word life. And that's the word, you know, the word he, Paul uses here, living, is from that same word. So it's a way to say that Though Zeus may have the name connected to life, he's not even real. See? You can turn to the real God, the true God, the living God. My favorite quote in the movie E.T. is when the boys have rescued E.T. from the scientists and they rendezvous. Uh, his brother and he in the van, Elliot, and all the boys on their bikes. Well, they rendezvous, and here's, you know, E.T. presenting himself to them. The first time these boys have seen him, they're just amazed. And Elliot says, we got to get into the spaceship. And one of the boys on the bike, Greg, says, well, obviously he had seen, uh, he had seen Star Trek. You know, we all have. <clears throat> and so he said, well, why can't he just, they just beam him up? And this is the quote, Elliot says, this is reality, Greg, right? <laughs> Such a great quote, a little irony right there. But in the truest sense, that's what Paul's saying to them. Guys, this is reality. We're talking about the real God, the true God, the living God. And you don't have to serve these dangerous vanities anymore. And he goes on to, of course, describe this God to enlarge, you know, to seek to fix them on who this God is. The God who's made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. 
That's a sovereignty and a lordship and a power that they couldn't even imagine. That's, that's nothing like their gods. I mean, they, their pantheon of gods had all these different areas that each one ran, you know. And, of course, there are many, many evil things about those gods. But, but this was a god that they uh, had never even thought about, really. And he says he's not an absent God. He's not an uninvolved God. Now, he has allowed the nations to go their own way, but he has witnessed to himself, even to these, to all nations. And that doesn't mean that he didn't care about their idolatry or that it didn't have consequences. Actually, to allow them to go their own way is to allow them to go toward judgment. Okay? You, you get that feel when Paul's talking about this in Romans 1. Because there he specifically says, this is what mankind has done. They've turned from the true God, even though they saw him clearly in creation. And they have gone after, they, they, they had a vain mind and went after vanities. Same kind of language. Turning from the true God to these vanities. Jeremiah's version of that is, you turn, as he's talking about idolatry, he said, you turn from me, the fountain of living waters, and you went into the desert and dug these holes in the ground that can't even hold water. You see, the true God to vanities. And Paul speaks of it in a very personal way as he's talking about how you've had dealings with this God. He said, you know, he's made all these things and then he's provided you all that you have. He's provided the the crops and their seasons and the rains and, and he's filled your lives with food and gladness. That second word really gets to me. You mean God in his goodness was even giving gladness to people who didn't worship him? And it's the same thing Jesus said in, in Luke chapter uh, 6, where he says, God is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So his point is that you have had contact with the goodness of God. Every experience in this creation is an experience of the goodness of the true and living God who made all things, whether you recognize it or not. That's a powerful approach, isn't it? Now, you may not believe, but this is, this is what I, I, I'm saying. This is true. This is what the Bible uh, teaches, right? So, this rejection of God would lead to their judgment. And God has allowed people to go their own way. But now, he is offering himself in a way he never has before. Through the person of Jesus Christ. And certainly if Paul had not been interrupted uh, by these, these people and then the persecution, uh, we can be sure he would be eventually begin drawing them after Jesus Christ. Just like he does with the Gentile pagans in Acts 17, which we'll get to. But it makes me think of the hymn that we just sang And you can imagine how powerful this could be. These lines from Alas and Did My Savior Bleed, where he says, And did my sovereign die? Or later, when Christ the mighty maker died. 
You see, that would be some of the wedge to drive into pagans to say, this is the God that made all things. And I want to tell you something about this true God. He came and died for us. Just a powerful message. And something that went way beyond their imagination, both as to the sovereignty of this God and that God would act in that kind of love toward human beings. Never had they heard anything like that. Well, to to close out, I, I want to underscore that seeing how Paul approaches the Jews and then so differently the Gentiles uh, helps us to understand we have to know where people are coming from when we're engaging them about Jesus. We have to get to know their background, their religious influences, whether it's Christian or Muslim or or Mormon or uh, maybe it's paganism or atheism or whatever. Uh, And we have to know something about their view of the world and their view of God, their view of life. The thing is, we have to listen before we speak. We have to know where they are before we speak into their lives. And this may happen over many conversations, maybe over many months. And it calls for interaction and kindness and love and hospitality and humility, all of these things. It calls for a real relationship so we can bring the gospel in a more effective way into people's lives. So it's always the same gospel, the same good news of Jesus. But how do we build a bridge into their lives uh, through our common humanity? Their, of course, our very attitude toward them of caring for them and being interested in them as human beings to listen will speak of the love of God you know, right there. Uh, and if we don't genuinely care about them as human beings made in the image of God, why would they listen to us anyway? You know, we're not just out there to drop these gospel bombs around and shrug our shoulders and walk away. And people must be loved. We must image God's love to them. And part of that is treating them with respect and dignity and listening to who they are. And of course, the common ground with people could be anything from the arts to science, uh, to how we find significance and meaning in the world, how we find hope in the world. It could be the, about the importance of community, relationships, the meaning of work, the meaning of marriage and sex, our view of creation. It could be anything. I was uh, for a while a docent at the Kimball, and it gave me much opportunity based on that common love of art to speak to people um, about uh, my faith in Jesus Christ. So we don't have to even know all the details of somebody's religion. You know, I've got to know all the religions and all the philosophies. It's simply hear what they think and then offer what you think, you know. Well, that's interesting you take this view of God. We view God like this, you know. We view God as a God who sacrifices himself, a God who gives himself away. Oh, that's interesting what you think about it. We think of God as being in fellowship within himself. Yeah, we think God is a relationship. We think that's so important to understand who we are, that relationship is so important to us. You see, you could play off the sheer beauties of God all day long and basically praise him to others, speak of his excellencies 
to others. And the, uh, you don't know how it's going to turn out ever, of course. Um, sometimes you'll see the, the positive uh, benefit with somebody. Sometimes you'll see people come to know Christ. Sometimes you maybe won't get to finish what you wanted to say, just like Paul, right? Um, sometimes you may say just a few things that moves them toward believing in Jesus. Uh, that happened, of course, possibly here, but we don't, we don't know. We just don't know enough about the situation. But this brings us to four persecution. Sometimes things will blow up in your face. Sometimes people will get angry. You could possibly lose a relationship. And in many places in the world, and maybe it would one day come to our situation, people are killed because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, so always in Scripture, there's this association with making the gospel known and suffering. And certainly this happens with Paul. And then in his expedition, the last point, notice the primary thing he spoke to the church is the one thing it lists of what he said to them was that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And it's interesting in scripture how again and again it associates making known the gospel with suffering. Like in Matthew 5, when Jesus talks about persecution, he goes right to this statement, you are salt and light. And they go together. You can't be salt and light without hazarding persecution because you're making Christ known. But I'll leave you with a phrase from the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 2 where it says that through us, God is spreading the fragrance and aroma of Christ. Some people will believe, some people won't. Some people will come to life through our message. Some people will be confirmed in their death and judgment because they reject it. But either way, you are an aroma. You, you are the salt and light. You are the aroma and fragrance of Christ in this world. What a noble calling. What a glorious privilege that you and I have to bring the only true aroma of God that there is in this world. You're it. By your word, by your, your, your living. God give us grace to do this with joy. Amen.